is Engineering Podcast. I'm Adam. I'm Brian. I'm Jen. Your third voice. Yay. Woo! Guest episode. <laughs> <laughs> we will introduce Jen uh, Harris in a minute. But first, uh, special thanks, as always, to our supporters who throw us as little as a buck an episode, our subscribers who click the button to subscribe and leave us a uh, rate and review on iTunes, all the blah, 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 whatever you're supposed to say up front to promote your content. <laughs> thanks to everyone else for coming out for another hang in the laboratory. And uh, welcome to Jen, our guest. Uh, you, I started with the like, okay, what should I say to introduce you uh, conversation earlier? And then I was just like, I know. <laughs> well, thanks you, you for having better me. better than I do, so. <laughs> thanks for coming on. Uh, why don't we start from how you know Jen, Brian? Oh, you're throwing it to me now. I'm <laughs> wow, yeah. really making this uncomfortable. Uh, we we used to be in a writing club together that Jen coordinated and ran. Uh, mm -hmm. We did that. We did that for years, right? This might be the first time you've talked about the writing club on the podcast. Oh no, impossible! We've definitely talked about the writing club before. Well, in any case, this is this is the wonderful person who brought that to my life and then ran it with mm -hmm. probably a dozen people throughout the years. And uh, I mean, it was amazing. Probably fifteen oh sessions we did together and wrote all kinds of great pieces, like creative writing or prose, whatever. Yeah, all genres. That's fun. Yeah, it's an interesting exercise to go back to. Uh, writing is a funny one because everybody, everybody like studies it in school, sort of like to, you know to get to a, a point of like if you're literate, you can write theoretically, but then like people stop trying to use it for things at a point, and it's kind of like to I Some really I, the part I left out when we were introducing ourselves earlier is I also went to film school. <laughs> it's like I've taken screen, I've taken writing classes, I've done acting classes, like I've been through a lot of that artistic stuff uh anyway i immediately took us down a rabbit hole fine Perfect. fine work so jen um who are you and what do you do <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> everyone will understand later why this is so awkward because i keep wanting to be like what well, but the whole the whole fucking thing is supposed to be about how your job doesn't define you and the first thing we're gonna do is make our guests talk about what I know. <laughs> right. What do I do? A number of things, including facilitating writing <laughs> groups, which Brian just talked about. So I, I love that segue. And I also love the awkward intro because answering the big question, what do I do, is kind of complex for me. But uh, in a nutshell, I have a business that um, serves nonprofits, universities, and health-related organizations. Um, I'm primarily a fundraising communications consultant and strategist. So I work with fundraisers and communicators and boards to help them um, position themselves for fundraising success, but also just to sort of establish um, a, a vision story or an identity that draws in people, um, ambassadors, donors, clients, you name it. So that's and I what think I uh, there's, there's, it, we end up getting back to the thing from the previous episode where we talked to um, Scott, was it, yeah. Brian? Uh, you know, talking about fundraising in the context of uh, political stuff, but there's mm. all kinds of other stuff that needs to raise money also, and they're not running for, all, they're not just saying, hey, here's who I am and here's my message and give me your vote. Um, mm -hmm. Like comms and strategy are both now in this space of, it's not just go talk to as many people as you can in the neighborhood. It's like, what's our message? 
when we go out in the world and start to, and then like you're immediately into that writerly space of like, just, okay, you got 30 seconds. Tell me a story. Yeah. That's all we have time yeah. for right now is a story. So it, it yeah. can't be, well, my company provides pills for, you know, like <laughs> we help sick kids. So what, you know, what you have time for in the, in the, that little comms moment of like, okay, oh, you had a 20 second YouTube video. How are you going to tell me about right. your project? Well, it's interesting <laughs> that we immediately went to professionalism here because mm-hmm. I didn't say, what do you do professionally? It was a trick question, <laughs> but we're, we're instantly into business, which I mean, is kind of what we were talking about totally. beforehand too. That's <laughs> what you mean when you say, what do you do? But right. it's funny because we started with something yeah. that, that you do. It's professional, right? Creative writing, but also you've done it. I don't know. Did you do creative writing? Uh, did you do our 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 group before you started doing classes for people and and trips for people? No. So my background is kind of interesting. Um, so I I went to graduate school in the humanities and immediately went into the nonprofit mm-hmm. sector and did not feel comfortable in a cubicle <laughs> totally. at all. And uh, like that did not resonate well with me at twenty three. Even though it was in the humanities, I was just like, I cannot be in a box. Totally. Um, so I left and started teaching at universities at 25 and I was teaching writing and liberal studies and poetry and short stories and all of this stuff, all the while waiting tables to actually make a hmm. living. Um, so at, at the, that sort of frontier at my late 20, in my late twenties, I was like, I've got to get a career, even though I knew that this nine to five sort of lifestyle didn't align with who I was how I functioned in the world ever. Um, but I, I knew I had to try. And so I, I got a job as a senior writer in a university um, in a development office that raised money for big health science related initiatives. So that was the first time I was a professional writer, if you will, like I was being paid to write. Somehow that felt validating, you know, when you're a young sort of creative type that you can actually get paid to do that work. <laughs> Well, it's just a funny idea that like when you encounter a paragraph of text on a health insurance company website, like somebody wrote that. <laughs> it doesn't just come to be there because advertising, you know, gods, like there's a copywriter somewhere who was like, okay, how do I express the message most effectively in this pocket of text on a, I've been that yeah. person. Or if you're in a hospital clinic and you're looking at a brochure and you're seeing those words or what you don't see, which is a lot of the writing I was doing was like the storytelling that needs to be done to inspire people to make, you know, big gifts that change communities. And that was really cool for me early on, but I also didn't think that was forever. Right. And I didn't know if that was my identity forever. Right. If Mm. we're going to talk identity. So I moved up the, the sort of ladder in the fundraising in fundraising professional land, but I never let go of that sort of writer communications portfolio. And um, when I left my job, part of my healing journey was to start a writing group just to bring people together to um, write in community and see what happens physically in our bodies and in alignment with each other um, and the power that can emerge from that. Uh, So that's actually shaped sort of my business model in many ways, which is about doing, you know, visioning together, emerging together, you know, thinking big, getting real, (laughs) finding out how to make money in a way that um, lights us up from the inside out, all of that. The, so the place that I want to start, because 
to honor the engineering part of our name to the extent that this is engineering is to back off to the stuff that like I, I took a whole semester <laughs> in philosophy in a class that could just be described as the philosophy of identity. Like what is stuff and why do we, what are these labels that we put on it? And that's just those we wrote paper, we wrote 30 page papers about that all semester. And so like, it's, it's interesting that you, like Brian says, what do you do? Right. And everybody answers with the professional answer, but like, imagine having a whole class that says, uh, what, what, well, what, I, what, yeah. what are you? Who am what, I? What is this? You, what is you as a construct as it applies to the like bag of meat and or mind body blob that you call you or think of as you? That was that whole. It's like it's a lot of fun. Like it's a label certainly for communication purposes, but like I think when you get to the storytelling piece, it comes to this interesting thing of like, no, it's an aggregate of a whole lot of other stuff. Well, and you're and you're ad you're addressing that sort of continuum between like you know what you do and who you are. Like, who am I versus what right. I do, and are those things always in alignment, or are we negotiating our identity in every? moment because mm -hmm. that's true that's living and breathing in real time right like and are there days when we are still in alignment with ourselves but doing something differently um you know the fluidity of self i guess is what you're <laughs> addressing in some ways right um and i feel like there's it's sort of like a structural piece that you can't hit at least you can't you have to at least acknowledge before you can move on to kind of like everything else we talked about in the the conversation because it's just that weird thing of like okay well does it make does it does it make people uncomfortable to acknowledge the fact that like i, I, I don't know <laughs> you know like, i'm here i got a feeling about a thing right now i'm having a response to a thing right now and it's all just uh well, you raise an interesting that? point, Adam, and Brian uh, said something to me earlier about like, I work with nonprofit organizations and help them establish an identity in a way that's digestible to people in the community. So they'll be inspired to give back, right? So a digestible identity, but humans are doing right the same thing. Like I mm -hmm. have to introduce myself in a way that makes sense to a specific audience. And as, a, as opposed to me saying, well, who, what do I do? Well, I like to make jewelry. I like to go to spin class. I do fundraising. Sometimes I write, I write on my own. I journal. I take care of my animal. I'm a sister, a niece, like all of those things that people's minds <laughs> would be blown if I just started listing off the mil a million things that I do. Right. They're not prepared. Yeah. Go ahead, Brian. <laughs> well, it's funny because I, I find there, there can be a stark contrast with people when you have conversations. There's some people who are really excited to talk about work. Uh, and some people who don't want to talk about it at all. And it can be for a myriad of reasons, right? Some people are don't like their job. Some people are just tired from the day and, and like want to talk about new stuff. But uh, it's it's interesting with work because it really, it tends to be the thing you spend the most time doing. Even when you list all those other things, like I would never want to say I'm defined by my my job. Like that is me. Like I am this company and I am this product and I am this marketing message. But it really is what you spend your time doing, right? You spend eight hours a day sleeping, eight hours a day, maybe a lot more working. And then you get this other time to like go to spin class for an hour or go to yoga or call your sister or, or play with your cat or your kids. And so it's, 
it's we get caught up in it because we're like not supposed to define ourselves by our work and some people think it's a good thing some people think it's bad but well it's how people relate to each other right like it's this weird relational thing like i someone asked me what would i like to do and i always say i just like to do good work with good people in good organizations in a way that's hmm. in service of the greater good and they're like well, <laughs> what does that mean you know like that it is like a right. lot of mumbo jumbo but answer. is it not like or is that true like it's I say solve hard problems with smart people. Oh, I love that. I love but that. But immediately, as soon as I say it, I'm like, oh, that's so prepackaged. And it know. is because I have to, because I've thought about it because I need to use it like in my life. But well, it's it's definitely, both of those are definitely in the space <laughs> of uh, of like, like theoretical nonsense kind of right in terms of how the world totally. likes to see itself right now everything likes to be concrete and absolute and functional and 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 productive well, and saying like oh i just i want to be good and help good people and do do things that are beneficial <laughs> it's like well that's so vague but that's the mess that's the message we're taught as little kids right like be good be thankful say think, thank you, you please and pardon me yeah you think from your experience, this is more or less of a problem for people who are not kind of of the millennial, well, like I Uber half the time and I also program half the time. Like <laughs> I live a life where I can go to the gym in the middle of the day. My parents didn't, right? So I wonder to what extent it's easier for their thing to be like, yeah, this is what I do. Right. Versus what we're dealing with, which is sort of like, well, throughout the day, I am inclined to spend my time doing blah, 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 blah. Like, and on one hand, productivity does pop out of a lot of the blah, 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 blah. And that's, you know, you, you can't deny that aspect of one's well, life. Well, I think, Adam, you're pointing to that, like the differences in generations insofar as like some generations, right, celebrated being with a company for 25 plus years. Now, if I see a resume where someone's been there for 25 years, I'm like, whoa, they were not inspired, right? Like it's very yeah, different. Totally. So it's That's like you would be honored for, you know, boomers or even, you know, a little bit um, older than me for being there for so long. And then now it's like, if you see, so it used to be if you see a resume that had someone was job hopping year after year, it was also a bad thing. I really think this is <laughs> the source of a lot of our like political unrest right now because it <laughs> like the people increasingly, the people doing the hiring are not the people that are like, oh, 25 years, I have, oh, that's is a respectable run. We'll certainly pick this person up. Like, <laughs> Now it's like, oh, well, eh. and so I, I have the value set where I go, yeah, exactly. Like, go, do you have to try things? And, but I'm asking to get hired when I'm in the job market. I'm asking to get hired by people that are still looking at my resume and going, I like, I don't know. I mean, you started a couple of your own companies and like you worked at some big companies, but like only for eight months. And it's like, oh, well, on one hand, working in strategy, that just tends to be how your contracts go. If you get steady yeah. contracts. Uh, but also, it just, I'm like, you, no, you don't want the people that have been for 25 years anymore. For one, they're going to have no idea how like anything to do with media works right now because the landscape is exploded from what it was 25 years ago. How I have to tell the story to get it to people is like you just have Snapchat and there's things. It's like just Instagram stories. <laughs> well, you're definitely, you know, speaking to one of the larger sort of um, issues that I contend with. And it, it's this story around the work. So I hire a lot of a lot of moms, for example, as contract writers, who are often like, 
I can't get a job. You know, they tell me this story, like, what do I say to people? I haven't worked for two years. And I'm like, I'm sorry, you can tell them that you built a tiny human in your body and you continue to do contract work <laughs> while doing so. Like, again, it's, it's, there's a new narrative right now around like how we right. work, what we need from work, how the work defines us. Like that new narrative is, is distinct for each person. And that's what we have to be skilled at doing, which I'm still working out, right? Like I still struggle telling people what I do because I want it to make sense. Right. But it also has to align with who I am um, instead of just like making sense to the audience. Well, and there's also two contexts for the presentation of that information that I think also make it awkward, which is like uh, you to continue getting work when you're in like comms or strategy, you have to be able to say what you do to people <laughs> that you're trying to convince to hire you. So like on a daily basis, you're doing for yourself and your brand the yeah. same thing that you're like. Oh, and you can hire me to do this too. Like, so for one, you better be good at it for yourself. But then there's this awkward context where then you bump into people at a barbecue and they're like, Hey, what do you do? And in the back of your mind, you're like, I have an answer to this that I have workshopped so much, but I'm not going to give you that answer right now because you're not the right audience. Yeah. And they're just like, I have to work at, you know, I do well, like so strategy for fundraising, whatever. What do you do? Well, I remember, <laughs> and Brian, maybe you remember this. Like I remember, and maybe millennials started doing this when all of a sudden I started seeing job cards and postings that were like culture builder, writer, engineer, or like, you know, like four different things. Growth ninja. Yeah. And I was like, yes, this is right. what I've got to do. I'm like fundraiser, thinker, writer. And they're like, what? You're all those things. I'm like, I loved that. Now you see like, Chief, cult, chief cultural officer or chief innovation officer, like really cool. And I'm like, what is that? Well, it sounds good. Like I like chief right. innovation officer. Can I call myself that? <laughs> <laughs> right. Who well, doesn't want to be so that? I think the place where the, 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 there's an interesting intersection when you start to talk about that place, like the barbecue versus, <laughs> you know, pitch meeting yeah. space yeah. and right in the middle of it, is dating <laughs> because it's really awkward when you're really good at crafting That's stories so and things like that to then go out in this context where you're like i get well the one this person like me and it's this awkward painful like, i've done a lot of date i did a lot of dating in la before i found my wife and it's an interest it's a thing man go to the city full of the most marketers in the world and sell yourself oh, to possible mates <laughs> Oh, good grief. Uh, but, you know, it's not, it's like, but it's not dishonest <laughs> to go out and want to make a good first good impression. Indeed. Yet I still have this reaction where I'm like, okay, I could tell you the story that I've workshopped like crazy to make myself seem cool. <laughs> or I could give you an honest answer. <laughs> it totally speaks to that, the same quandary, right? Like when you're digital dating and you see someone says, I'm, I'm an attorney versus I'm in science. Like those tell two different stories completely. So like how we cultivate yeah. our identities digitally to whether it's to meet a man like me or to communicate at a bar barbecue or to communicate at work, it, it still speaks on some level to who we are. And we come up with assumptions, you know, based on that identity marker. So like, I don't really like dating attorneys, for example. I mean, I'm, that's not true. I'm just using like a, <laughs> I'm just using, I have a sign 
scientist problem. Like that's become clear. <laughs> There's, I heard, was listening to uh, the Recode podcast, uh, one of the ones that Kara Swisher hosts, and she, to celebrate the 300th episode, had her 16 year old son on, and at one point they were talking about mm-hmm. Instagram. It's a good episode, and he said, "Yeah, like Instagram's a museum." It's so curated that everybody's like Bleh, about it these days, right? And that's kind of how I felt on dating sites where it was like, I need to optimize my profile here. And it's like, uh, but not really. Uh, well, this, this gets to the, to the next step of this conversation, I think, which is why this stuff is, why we have to do this stuff. And why it's so awkward and uncomfortable and and confusing for us, and it's it's because we're having to translate our perception of reality out to share it with other humans so they can absorb it and then like alter their perception of reality, which is impossible to do, right? Because we're stuck with this, we're stuck with using our mouths <laughs> to make words and weird sounds to each other instead of whatever this incredible depth of experience is that's inside of our heads. And so all of a sudden you have to be like, wait, what do I do? I've done a literally a million thoughts totally. since I woke up six <laughs> minutes ago. Uh, how can you possibly expect me to tell you like what I am uh, at a barbecue with with totally. Katy Perry? Or who, right? It's why, as to Adam's point before, like it's why this is also related to politics, right? Like identity is being obliterated. <laughs> like what is identity? I mean, philosophically and politically, and it's making totally. it hard for different generations to connect on that topic on and it's making it hard for me as a you know I think I'm a gen Xer right. to like relate to my own my own sense of self I'm like who am I trying to make myself digestible to is it to the boomers and the you know like so that they get it is it to like millennials how and how fluid do I have to be in articulating who I am how many scripts do I need you know about myself the emergence of this phenomenon, I think, is is uh, you can find obnoxious think pieces <laughs> about how Friends is responsible for this as a cultural phenomenon. But if you think about it, yeah, they're like because there's a lot of if you look at '70s sitcoms, there's like yeah, the totally. archetype of I just came back from my job yeah. at the factory. Yeah, 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 None yeah, of them yeah. were working in factories, yeah. is what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, that's true. And that's where that's where a lot of a lot of the structures that we struggle with now were established, right? Is through moving farming to into the industrial revolution and moving work where the bulk of people were doing like very timed, very continuous, repetitive things on farms to then kind of, hey, how do we change this this business revolution into factories? And it's only relatively recently that they're cubicles, right? There weren't cubicles a hundred years ago. And now we have all of these jobs where like you're expected to do something interesting and different and dynamic every day. Even if you think of yourself in like a, like a boring job, you're still like, <laughs> if, if you're in an office, you're doing weird stuff every you're day. You're like scooting around in a rolling chair, using your brain for things. Like, it, you know, and it's still, it's still a very different thing from like, I spend all day putting this bumper here. The other guy holds it. I screw in four bolts and then I do the next one. If I don't do enough a month, I get fired. And what does getting like, fired do right. to your sense of self? I mean, that's so that's another thing too. Like, is uh, is right. being fired right. like an affront against your identity, or is it a blessing in disguise? Like, you know, there's that again. It's back to that 
notion of like how connected to what we do and who we are, you know, impacts how we exist in this world every day. I don't know. I don't have the answer. Well, so you mentioned when we were talking earlier about sort of your, you were talking about your own journey and you said, you know, like you had a, you had had the sort of identity struggle around the notion of like, at what point do you start telling people you're a writer, right? Like it's a weird, it's a weird thing where then, and, 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 Mm. and part of it is because you sometimes you're like, I have a cool job compared to what everyone else just described. And if I bring it up, they're just going to ask me about what it's like to do that yeah. job. And then I right. become the center of this conversation. So I'm just going to tell you lawyer. <laughs> Cause then you won't ask any questions. You'll go, Oh, well, and it's interesting because I think I still contend with that question. Like in some, in some environments, when I'm called the writer, I feel like that is reducing what I do, you know, to she's just like a writer and then in other circles, I don't feel good enough to call myself a writer. So, it, and that, I mean, again, that's that's my own stuff, right? But it's also related to like what qualifies me to be any of those things that I claim to be. Well, but, and you also, the awkward thing in art is professional art. Like if you want to get hired to do that thing, you have to go out to people and you go, I'm a writer, I will do it for you. Right. And so, so yeah. you kind of have to define yourself as that thing, but then I'm very familiar with this from the experience of working in the Los Angeles media industry, like yeah. video production. It, at some point you have to go, I'm a director. And then you try to get work getting a director. And if it doesn't happen, you go, I guess maybe I'm not a director, but it takes this weird step of like, <laughs> you got to kind of declare that you are this thing, but then the bar is based on like creativity. So it's this thing where everyone goes, oh, it's, you know, if somebody goes, oh, it sucked. The little voice in your head goes, oh, that's like your opinion, man. <laughs> like, yeah. I think it's good. I see it. I don't know if I totally identify because in some instances, like I, I will go in as a communicator and a writer, but I'm also creating an, an institutional narrative. I'm working with board members on how to speak. I'm working with executives on how to lead. I'm working with um, communicators and marketing professionals and fundraisers and how to tell stories. And so in many ways, the writer is a producer and a coach and, you know, all mm-hmm. of these other things. When you get to that comms and strategy space. Yeah. Like now you're like one notch above. You just do the writing is suddenly like to just say writer doesn't cover all of that. Although writer is way more digestible totally. in a really quick, like, what do you do? I'm a writer. Oh, what do you write? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes that answer gets really boring. Add copy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting how we, uh, we put all this effort into kind of figuring out, uh, what it is we do kind of checking all these boxes to like confirm our professionalism and our, our abilities. And then, Ultimately, that stuff's not what works when you try to then communicate it to people. No one cares like about your credentials. To be successful, you have to then like re, you have to make it organic again. You have to be like, wait, I just spent all this time being like specific and absolute and, and quantitative, but no one cares. Everybody wants to hear my story. And so now we like, we jump through these hoops uh, to make things not functional for storytelling. And then we have to like relearn how to do it. And it's so strange, right? Like no matter what your, no matter what your product is or your career, or you're trying to sell yourself as, as like a person for hire or you're trying to sell a physical product to someone, it's all about the story. 
I mean, you can brute force sell stuff by just be like, I'm an engineer and I can process as many widgets this quickly. But if you go in and tell another human being an interesting story around yourself, you're going to beat the 10 other people who just list their widget proficiency, which is so weird. Why do we why do we go through that weird hoop to begin with? Well, it's and what you're also saying, too, it's about compatibility, right? To use the dating metaphor again. But like when I go in as a fundraising consultant and wear that hat, I'm often like, look, you can interview five to 10 other fundraising consultants who have the same toolkit. They'll produce these same things. Ultimately, it's going to be about if we're compatible, like if we can work together, Mm -hmm. if we can be inspired together, if we can work with your team together. And in many instances, that's not the case, right? Like, hence the dating metaphor again, like I'm dating my (laughs) clients, but, um, you know, but it's true. Like it's ultimately what we do is not that unique. It's who we are. And maybe that's, maybe that's a fallacy too, but it's who we are that makes us distinct in my, my opinion. The interesting thing, I no, so I've, I've recently listened to a podcast where they went through every Apple ad campaign that's ever been oh run year by year and talked through each of them. So I'm totally in that headspace of like the, like you talked about being inspired. And I feel like that's in that territory of like, when you throw that, when, when I throw out that kind of thing in a pitch, I'm immediately like, I just used this squishy, it's like, imagine, inspire. And all the boomers in the room go, ugh. But like, it works because eventually, like you chase down the storytelling stuff and it, like some of the most, the entertainment industry is, a, is very successful at making money. And it's very successful at doing it because it tells stories. And, and the inspiring ones yeah. and the ones that people cry at the end of are the stories that people come and pay to see. That doesn't change when you get into the world of advertising, into the world of pitching, into the world of even just telling your own story. Yeah. But we have this weird interaction with it where, like, I don't know what to do with that feeling other than be like, I'm t- it's, it's going to work on most of the people in the room. The people that respond cynically, I don't know what to tell you, man. Well, then they're, yeah. I wish you were happier. <laughs> well, it's why, like, why this idea that we're wired for story has gone viral. Although I think that, like, we're wired for so many things equal to story, like curiosity, love, et cetera. But, you know, in business settings now across industries where, you know, that's a buzzword, which I remember 10 years ago, it was strategy. Like, we have to embrace strategy. Now it's embrace story. Um but there is a reason, right? Because story actually binds humans together. It's like one of our shared ways of being in the world. And I think there's there's a this this almost cycles back mm-hmm. to the philosophy stuff. Like there's a construct element to this where it's easy to consume stories in the entertainment context because you take these characters, right? And so you're just like, hey, here's this character. And there's not that much vagary to it because I just don't have time to give you much more than like this actor's portrayal plus the details of like Monica's <laughs> in fashion. Uh, she looks like this. You know, oh, that's such a Monica thing to say. It's like, yeah, but you've only known this person for, for 20 minutes. Like, yeah, but it, you know, so it's a weird thing to take this construct of go, okay, if my identity has a story, then like I'm, you start to break these walls that are like, well, but stories are told about characters. And am I just a, a character in this like giant narrative of 
everything that has made me get to end up to be where I am and able to provide you with the services I'm trying to get you to hire me for. <laughs> like, uh, and it's easy to get kind of overwhelmed in that idea of like, it's just how it is. I don't, I can't, I don't know what to do. Well, I think there's, there's another layer of weirdness here because <clears throat> when you're telling a story, uh, especially if you're telling a story about yourself, what you're really doing is admitting to yourself and the world no, that you're not the main character to everybody else. Right. Cause I don't have to tell myself. <laughs> I mean, we do, we have these, like we have layers of consciousness or whatever. I have all the voices in my head that are talking to me all day, but I, I, I'm not like consciously thinking about telling my own stories to myself all day long. But then all of a sudden, when you go to describe yourself to somebody else, you're having to step out of that and be like, wait, I, all of these things that I just feel all day, I now have to select from them. I have to like pick the ones that are that I'm the most proud of or pick the ones that I think will affect the situation in the way that I kind of want to change the outcome or or the way I want this person to perceive me because I'm trying to get something from them. And it I think it it's disastrous for our brains because we're not prepared to like imagine the world from another one's another person's perspective that is as rich <laughs> and complex as ours. And so you just get lost. You're We're not like, all trained as museum curators, but Instagram is a museum. <laughs> <laughs> so I was listening to a podcast that I think you listened to, Jen, the other day uh, on being with Krista Tippett. Uh, I was listening to an episode with Seth Godin, who is like a, a very Blogger. outspoken, prolific yeah. marketing guy. But um, one of his, uh, one of the, like the theses of the conversation they were having is that he he's saying people should stop worrying about being so important to the masses and focus as much as possible, right? Go find five people who absolutely adore your message and want to be involved with what you're doing rather than going and trying to find 5,000. Uh, and that is like, I, I think that is both correct. That's what I, at least what I hear a lot about how to, how to grow communities and stuff, right? Start at the bottom, start with a few people, get your early adopters. Um, but I also think it, it mirrors, uh, in like an opposite way. It reflects oppositely what we naturally tend towards as humans, right? Cause we naturally are just animals thrown into a group with people, right? They send us off to school and then all of a sudden you get picked on until you're kind of the same as everyone else. And then everyone just kind of looks the same and behaves the same. And if you act up, you're told to not be not don't tell jokes during class, like behave like the rest of the students. Uh, and then that that what we're kind of trained into is exactly the opposite of that. We want to be weird and appeal to the, the, the other weird people who are like us, the other one person in the class or the teacher who appreciates our sense of humor uh, and who can handle it in class. And uh, that is what I think we've we've enabled like the internet is both of these things right we talk a lot about how things like instagram and facebook have caused all these problems because we've like well everyone's just yeah. fallen into two groups and we're all the same now and the two groups are in, are in battles with each other or everyone's fallen in the same trap on instagram and just trying to be beautiful or trying to be like witty but at the same time there's also this like incredible granularity available to us if you go and hunt for it go follow the instagram feeds that have like 
a thousand followers versus a hundred thousand and you can find any niche you've ever imagined. Yeah, I mean, that's, this is super fascinating to me on like a number of levels. Cause first of all, we're talking about Instagram when however many years ago, like that was <laughs> right. 10 years ago, like wouldn't even be part <laughs> of like this discourse, but like you're speaking to two really interesting um, sort of lanes, I guess. Like one is this idea of belonging, like which has to do with identity, like finding your community or tribe, which I guess isn't PC to say anymore, but what so have you. Hmm. And then like also this <laughs> this um notion that like um there's this other group of people that are motivated by like a number of followers or like being embraced uh you know by the masses digitally, if you will. And I think that that, that sort of like underlying um those underlying motivations relate to like how we exist in the world like in our own communities or in our businesses and like I keep asking myself that like who am I trying to resonate with like do I need every fundraising consultant across the globe to understand who I am and what I do and what makes me different or do I just need to attract and draw in the people who are natural matches for me and I'm trying to focus on natural matches, but there is this like pull to be mm-hmm. like, I need people to understand who I am. Right. Like, and I, and so there's this battle in my brain, like, and that, that's, that's a human issue, right? Like it's primal in some ways. And it has to do with well, validation. And- that's another word I wanted to bring in. Sorry. Well, right. And so, I mean, it validation in the sense of it's like, uh, the project I'm involved with right now involved starting from essentially an academic paper. So there's this leading edge of people I end up talking to where I'm just like, I can't believe you read a 60 page paper that I wrote. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> like I, it's, you know, no one ever does that. That's a lot of work. Um, I think what's interesting to me is it's, it's again, it's right in that space of like, you have these clashing, there's a generational totally. clash happening because of the shift from one thing to another as industrialization <laughs> continues to progress through technology and everything and you have this thing that's like when you're describing how to create a community which is you know to focus on the what set what seth godin was saying about like just be useful to the five people around you like in the storytelling context in the marketing context and even in a lot of startup contexts you do that by being a generalist right it's like you have to know a lot about a lot of things which like was a virtue during the Renaissance, <laughs> but in the time that we grew up had fallen back to like, no, you have to specialize. Like you have to focus on this one thing to be a neurosurgeon. It's going to take 15 years of study and another 10 years of practice before you can even call yourself a neurosurgeon. And like, that, but then I have ended up in a professional world where it's like, uh, I am good at a lot of things. It's part of the job. It makes the job really weird. <laughs> It makes conversations about what I do really weird. I feel like, and it also falls in this space where anyone of a certain age, I just say I'm a lawyer (laughs) because to present that I even have the rest of those skills makes them go, (laughs) like I even have a pre-prepared answer that I used to use when adults would press me. Adults. That after it started after high school graduation, people older than me would press me with like, well, what are you going to do? And they never liked that I didn't really have an answer. (laughs) So I eventually just started saying, you know, I'm not sure, but I'm going to be allowed to wear flip-flops. <laughs> so funny. 
was enough that they were like, meh, and they would back away. And I must have said that 300 times before people just stopped asking eventually because I had a different answer that struck them as a career. You know what's so interesting um, to me about that story is so I, um, in order to get into graduate school, obviously a humanities program, we had to write an essay, and my essay was called Undecided. Um, and it was because when I was in college, I loved learning, right? Like I wanted to take classes in every major, but I did not want to declare a major. Like I had no interest in declaring a major. I'm like, what does that mean? Uh, And I started working for the College of Letters and Sciences and they were like, you know, you're going to be a junior. You need to declare a major. And I'm like, (laughs) I don't want to. I just want to keep taking classes that I like. Well, my advisor at the time said, why don't you just take the, you know, the course catalog back to your apartment and highlight all the classes that you're interested in and wherever there's the most highlights that's your major he was kidding first of all and I totally (laughs) did it and my most of my classes happened to be in like English literature and gender studies so I wrote about that story going into an interdisciplinary graduate program because they would understand and embrace that interest in like interdisciplinary thinking and cross fertilization and all of that. Um, but today, yeah, like we're still, we're still dancing with this like idea that we either need to specialize or be a generalist. Like you can't, (laughs) you can't have like a certain level of expertise in one area and, and like partial expertise in another. So that like, wouldn't make sense to the world. I don't know. And the advice that people give you based on the, how they feel about the importance of the one thing or the other, like it ends up being this antithetical, like at the whole time that Brian was saying, the stuff about Seth's article, I was like, and that is the exact opposite of the advice I was given my (laughs) entire life about how one has a happy and successful career. Totally. Or they'll say like, how do you, I'll walk into fundraising clients and they're like, how do I make this go viral? You know, they're not like, I'll always say like, we need to reach our people. Like we need to focus on 10 to 20 deep, you know, people who can invest in your mission and your story and your organization and they're like we need to go viral like ice bucket challenge viral and And i'm like i think we're like (laughs) the thing i kept thinking is (laughs) this podcast exists because i still don't know what i want to do when i grow up like there's still a part of me that's like you should check that job board at nasa again oh my god i'm still like (laughs) should i go to med school what like i didn't know hilarious hilarious we all we all feel i think a lot of people feel that way i mean we're lucky that we're in positions where we can do things that allow us to be successful enough to (laughs) live day to day, but then also fantasize about a million other bizarro side things that we love. Um, Well, yeah. So so there's a thing that you brought up before in the context of like, you were talking about like empowerment and rewriting stories, stuff like that. And I think that like meshes with what Brian was just bringing up. Right. Which is like, there's an extent to which, the life we're talking about is privileged and you can't possibly like, there are a lot of people that just can't possibly change their job. And like, that's where it intersects with this idea of identity where it's like, for me, my identity is vastly tied up in what I do, but it's because of this artistic piece where it's like, you can't, it can't be any other way. And you work in the industry where I find myself. Um, but then there's a lot like because all this stuff is tied together and everything I think we've hit so far, there's this idea of like if you have this story in your head of this is this thing that I do and it's soulless and I hate it, but I can't not do it. 
<laughs> like what, how do you, it, it becomes this thing of how do you develop tools to cope with that so that you're not it's simultaneously narrative. unhappy. So I would go so far as to say, and I'm no expert, but there is a movement like a narrative medicine movement and narrative psychology movement, which is like, we may not be able to change our position, mm. right? But we can change how we relate to the position. And that's rooted in story. Like I, if I tell myself, I am doing X because I can pay my rent, you know, and then I still get to, and that helps fuel another passion. Then that's like a different narrative than saying, I hate my job. It does nothing for me. It depletes my soil or depletes me, my soul, if you will. Um, You know, that's, that's again, another approach. But again, I, I totally agree that like not everyone has the privilege to even ask these questions. Right. But we can change how we relate to our work. At least I believe so. All right. I've got a question. So we, we've talked about uh, like what, what we do functionally. And then we've talked kind of about the stories we tell around what we do, but what about the things that we want to be right? The things that we project out for ourselves. That's the one where I struggle the most. Cause I'm, I feel like I've reached a point where I'm pretty, comfortable with uh what it is i identify myself i'm very i'm like happy to tell people i'm i'm an engineer i'm a programmer i do tech stuff right um but there's still part of me that's like that then has the response like but i want to be more <laughs> you want to you want to do more go do more oh so God. you can tell people you were this or that you were this and i still do the like age comparison I'll still like I'll be watching the news and be like so and so is the youngest whatever ever elected to blah and i'm like ooh wait how old are they <laughs> or I'll, I'll watch like a movie star. I'll be like, wow, that person is, this is their That's breakout so movie. Funny. Wait, they're 34. I was like, I could still be a breakout movie star. Uh, <laughs> it still happens. I could, we went to see uh Bohemian Rhapsody <laughs> last night and the whole yeah, time I'm I like, mean, man, I, I still want to put an album out. <laughs> I still want to do it. Uh, we've talked about like the actuality of what we are and what we do, right? Like what is our day job and what are the things we do there? And then we've talked about kind of the stories we tell around that. How do you then like share the complexity of what you actually do with people? But we haven't talked about sort of like the fantasy component of this. What is it that you think you want to be? And why are we driven to like want to change? Because I'm curious, Jen, I I think of you as a writer. I think of you as an author. I think of you as a reader. I know you love to read. Uh, and I, I, know, I know you personally well enough to know about a lot of your other interests. Uh, but when I like, if I'm quickly thinking of you, like the image that comes to mind <laughs> is is an intellectual around reading late at night enjoying a glass of wine and then like bouncing between books and writing down notes and writing in a journal and so i have this very quick image of you and kerpelman for you the image is is sort of i i probably picture you like on a skateboard in a jester outfit with a guitar right so i have this (laughs) i have these like quick images of people well, it's funny because I like being described that way, Brian. I don't know how closely aligned <laughs> with it, who I am and how my daily daily life looks, but I hear you 100%. And actually, like, I had a visceral response to that description. I was like, I like being described that way. Like, that's really cool. Um, and likewise, right, like, I'll, when I say describe you to other people, I'm like, well, he's an engineer, but he's an artist. Like, he's a poet, <laughs> guitar player, photographer. Like, I'll say all of these things. I never just say, oh, my friend who's an engineer. It's like my friend who's an engineer artist and like, I blah, 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 you know, like all of those things. Um, you know, I love that question of 
like ideating around like who we want to be or like how do we want to be known and I don't know that I have the answer to that like sometimes I like to say just test like I'm just a passion pusher <laughs> like whatever your passion is like I'm gonna help you push the envelope there you know like if it is I want to be the best engineer artist like that would be really cool to me like I have such disparate interests and skills that it still becomes really hard for me to put myself in a box and I think my whole life I've feared being pigeonholed. So like we try on different identities, right? Like I've tried on the intellectual, I've been a professor, you know, I've been a writer, I've been a fundraiser, you know, the list goes on. Um, And I'm not sure like if any one of them captures my entire essence or being, um, and I'm not sure that they're supposed to, right? Like, Like I don't have the answer because I don't know that they're supposed to. I think like true connection is not really about, again, those labels, those identity markers. It's about like our essence. And that I know it's the time we can get a little woo-woo, but it's true. Like I relate to people on a like more empathic level. Like when I can strip away attorney from Adam, for example, (laughs) and I'm like, oh my God, he's a swimmer, screenwriter, producer. There's so much there. And then even get behind that, it's like, oh my God, he's just an intellectual philosopher, deep thinking, good partner, you know, like all of that stuff, like that's where the magic is for me. So I think finding that balance between, you know, I keep using the word digestible, but like being digestible in the world and just being in the world, like it's two different things Yeah. to me. I don't know. I struggle constantly. Yeah. The thing, so... I uh, I haven't always been the greatest at like starting conversations with strangers. And uh, one of my good buddies has always told me uh, the best thing you can do is is just dance around quickly from topic to topic until you find what the person's excited about, whatever it is. If you ask them a question, they're not excited, just change the topic, go to something else and find their passion. Uh, and for some people, that's their job. For some people, that's their kids. For some people, it's a hobby. Uh, but as soon as you find that, uh, I think he would say you find them, right? You, Ooh, and whatever it is, you, you now have this, like you, you get to go into their soul and experience their passion and their interest and their energy. And that is so different, like day to day for some people. Um, that's even different, like hour to hour for me sometimes, right? I'll be really engaged in something I'm working on. I would love to tell everyone about some database technique I'm I'm uncovering and programming. Uh, and then an hour later, I want to talk about some news article I was reading. And that's my passion now for that hour. I think, but the difference is like, so being good when people say like, oh, that's a good person to talk to. Like I, like the place I go with what you were saying, Brian, is, is this place of like to be good at like conversation, which I think is the thing that like I think about, (laughs) we do a podcast, like it's an exercise in talking in a way that's compelling. Right. Like, so, I mean, part of that comes down to, uh, there are things you can always talk about that are crutches, right? Sports, the weather, what you do, like that's like somebody's job is a really comfortable place for them to be like, well, I could run you through my Hmm. basic day and fill up 20 minutes of conversation and now we're finished here and I can move on. Like, but, and then there's trying to find the thing that people really light up about. And sometimes if they don't overlap, you just have to back out of the conversation. Like, nope. See ya. Not friends with that person. And like, that's okay too. 
but it doesn't usually happen that you don't find the thing. It's just like finding the thing is right, this interesting. It's, it's not even the thing, right? Sort of. It's just the fact that they're passionate. And then you both get excited, right? You can see it in conversations with people. It's like, oh, we just hit on something that you're excited about, and I'm excited for you now. Yeah, I f- we're just little mirror. I machines. feel that generally, like I feel that physically when I'm talking or interviewing people, mm-hmm. and and it's infectious. And that's why, like, I wonder, and it, it may be a mythology, but is it possible for us to stay in that space, like to to harness that feeling in even in our work lives, right? I ask that all the time, and like. It may right. be okay to be out of alignment at some, you know, so one of the big existential questions I always ask myself or ask others is, let's say I'm capable of being a very skilled surgeon, but I don't like doing surgery. Like, is that so like, I'm really good at, you know, being a surgeon, but I don't want to be a surgeon. Like, I always ask myself hmm. questions like that, like, just because I can you know, meet with donors and meet with fundraising professionals. Like, does that mean that's what I'm supposed to do? That's that question of like skill or reason for being calling purpose, Mm -hmm. all of that stuff. And, um, like, how do you create more space to be in that, in that soul space that you're speaking of that passion space, that fire, that light, like, is it possible again, third, you know, first world problems, right. To ask that, but like, if you can't harness that every day, how, again, I keep going back to narrative, like how do we create a narrative that allows us to, to experience that in other ways? I don't, you know, I don't have the answers for sure. It's tied to our earlier conversation where we keep having dating metaphors. But like one of my girlfriends said recently, when I shared a screenshot, she's like total millennial uh, catfish slash entrepreneur, right? <laughs> so like every profile now, everyone's an entrepreneur. And I am laughing right. because like in many, you know, realms, I could theoretically call myself that if that felt right, although it doesn't <laughs> feel right. Um, <laughs> but it, it just goes back to so many of the themes that you have raised about like the intergenerational relationship with self like our people are more comfortable now calling themselves entrepreneurs than defining you know who they are what they do um i don't know i think that was a little bit of a backpedal adam <laughs> sorry no but i think it gets us to a good place yeah. to wrap it up and with with a engineering type moral right where i think it's like i just i i'm excited although it has also resulted in political unrest that makes me always feel unsafe and uncomfortable yeah it's also a pretty cool time to be alive in terms of like the you only get a renaissance so often right and i don't know that i would call it that but it's like if you got to look at these epochs and this sort of rollover of human behavior it's like we for sure go in okay this is how it is you have to just focus on farming and you got to you know grow stuff so we don't starve to death and then you have this explosion of art and disparate thought and challenging things. And then it falls back into a period of like, and I'm for sure built (laughs) for the part where technology enables us to go explore all kinds of crazy stuff and see where we can do whatever. Right. Were you, were Uh, you just suggesting that we're on the, we're on the precipice of another revolution in in thought and technology and progression and humanity. I mean, I love that. Like the best and brightest minds are just trying to break everything. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah I, I agree i mean we're we're at a point we're definitely on a point where it could go either way i mean we're always on that point also but <laughs> there's there's a lot happening that uh is gonna absolutely change everything we know about 
the world, right? 10 years, we joke constantly about things like Instagram and Facebook and smartphones, not having been around 10 years ago. But uh, with that in the level of impact they've had, imagine in a, in a hundred years, people are going to look back and, be, and say all of that stuff was instantaneous. How did you live through that? Can you believe they didn't <laughs> used to have brains that talk to one another? You couldn't just send emojis through <laughs> with your mind? Stone Age. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's funny because it gets back to it's. It's kind of like it's the same way of saying a different moral that we frequently end up with, which is yeah. like I frequently end up saying, just go build something to people. It's like, oh, you're unhappy? Go try building something. Just like, I don't know, in your backyard, out of wood, just build something. It's the same idea, though, is like to build a thing, you have got to break something else sometimes, whether that's just your habits or like the tree to make something out of wood. Or the story of, of your identity that you've but held like, on to for 38 years, you know? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Try it. <laughs> try it. It's another thing we get to occasionally, which is just like, if you feel like the story doesn't fit, just break that too. It's okay. Totally. Edit it. Or just try the exercise in your head at least. And if that makes you feel like, ooh, then it's an important time for people to be it's an it's an important time for people to be reviewing their stories and uh uncomfortable. Practicing editing. Just do a little bit of an edit and see how it feels. Uh it's it's important because we're all we're oh, all, uh, we've all we're hole. all telling ourselves a lot of lies. The editing rabbit hole is it's it's so deep and delicious. <laughs> but we don't have time for it. I, but like, that's, we didn't even, I mean, just to talk about writing and the idea of, if I write a thing, I think people think, oh, you take these ideas and you put them out in writing and then whatever. And it's like, no, you take these ideas, you put them out in writing, and then you edit them for 90% of the time that of the work that has gone <laughs> into this thing. Uh, and then you put it out. So good writers are, are only good writers to a point. They're, They're good really editors. good editors. <laughs> If I had more time, I would have written you a shorter letter, right? <laughs> and then I, I mean, that, that can go take us down a whole other course, which talks about truth, right? And like writing what, you know, <laughs> writing on the spot without editing and what comes out, right? Like, is that more true, like, and more authentic? Um, That's a perfect tie-in for our episode. <laughs> if you, I think by the time this airs, it will have come ah, out yay. in which we discuss truth and the scientific method. Oh yeah, finally. And the, and the and the and the like essentially <laughs> science is all based on the idea that like nothing's true. And then religion. Everything is testable. Cup of tea. <laughs> uh, but oh but thank you for coming to <laughs> talk about all this stuff and we'll have to have you back so we can chase some of those thank rabbit holes. Yeah, thanks for spending your Saturday morning with us, Jen. This has um, been great. Is there anywhere people like can them. look you up? on the web for these things if they're like yo i need i need those services yeah what identity do i want to share on the podcast right, right. now I, I do have a website it's jagecollectiveinc.com so i think collective helps me uh collect people skills work all in one lump sum so i don't have to identify with one specific <laughs> identity marker ah, the tension the tension guys <laughs> i mean it's it's got to happen, though. Which leads me to thank our supporters here. And thank thank, thank you to everyone for hanging out for another one of these. And thanks to our supporters who throw us as little a buck a month to uh, keep this thing going. And the subscribers and the rate and reviewers and all you people. Thank you so much for helping us out with this stuff. Um, um, oh, 
if you want to support us, go to support at zengineeringpodcast.com. I'm not as good at the, at the, uh, all the things that we have to say. At the end. <laughs> <laughs> and you always remark on it too, and then have to yeah. cut it out. <laughs> That's fine. It works. Uh, this is Engineering Podcast. I'm Adam. I'm Brian. And I'm Jen. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Go out and do some editing, everybody. Take it easy. Oh. What I know.